Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and changemakers. Let's get started. Hey folks, this is Kyle Brost. Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. Today we have on Jeremy Callahan. I'm really excited to be talking to Jeremy. He has a cool journey about how he started to see small business owners uh, at a young age and his experiences with them and how that led to his interest and passion around helping small business owners and businesses in general succeed. And so I'm excited to dive into Jeremy's journey and his story and some of the things he's doing to help small businesses and get some advice and some practical tips from him today about, uh, about ways that you can do that as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's interested in this space. So Jeremy, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind giving us a little bit more background? I know I gave a quick intro, but any more background that you can give us about who you are and, and where we can take this conversation today? Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of elaborate. I, my background, um, after college, I didn't really know what to do, and I ended up getting an MBA. And one day I came up with an idea for a website, and this was back in 98. And I had no money. I had no idea how to program a website and we didn't have Google and all that stuff back then. And so I basically learned to uh, program websites over at Borders. I went to Borders every night. I bought books. I did everything I could. And uh, that was, I did, I did web and help, help businesses, small businesses, big businesses, every kind of business you could probably possibly imagine with websites. And then in 2011, a similar thing happened. I came up with an idea for a mobile app when the world was going mobile. And since that point in time, uh, well, let me back up. I, I learned mobile. I learned how to do all kinds of mobile programming. And so since that time, I've been doing mobile apps. And it's really centered around pretty much two types of businesses. Um, I work with really large businesses. I lead the mobile teams. And then on the other side, I work with small businesses and that's more hands-on. So we're actually in there with the small business owner, determining what kinds of problems or solutions we can we can find and solve, and how mobile can help drive their business and propel their business forward. Nice. Uh, so you know, the, the, we kind of glanced over this as you were telling this piece of of your journey, um, and it, but it's something that I think we could get into a, a really in depth conversation about. And it's this aspect of, I mean, you wanted to start something, you had this idea, but you had no idea. Uh, you didn't have any knowledge or background in it. So you, you go with a website and you say, I have this really good idea for a website, but you don't know anything about web development. You don't know anything about websites. And you go out and you just figure it out. You take the time and the energy to learn it. And I think that that's something that's interesting or unique about entrepreneurs. And, and what always fascinates me, I probably get, uh, I don't know, a good five times a week. Somebody reaches out to me and says, I have this idea what do I do? And they, and they haven't, they haven't taken any energy or more, you know, any, any steps to figure it out on their own. And they're just reaching out and they're saying, give me the solution. And that, that right in and of itself is one of those things that I almost disqualify somebody when, when I realize that they haven't taken any effort or steps to figure it out on their own first. Right. Uh, and it just baffles me. And, and I often tell them that like, 
look, if you haven't taken any steps to figure this out on your own, and, and the first thing you do is reach out to somebody who gets paid to answer these kind of questions, um, you're probably going to struggle in the long term because this isn't the first or the last time that you're going to run into a situation where you don't have the answers and you've got to figure out how to go get them. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I had a, I I had a kind of a a friend of a friend contact me about a mobile app idea. It was a solid idea. um, Cause you know, I hear all, all kinds of different ideas. And then, you know, a week later, she contacted me again and she goes, well, I, I need a name for it. What do you think my name should be? And it was that same kind of thing you were just talking about. It's like, you're, you, I was like, you're worried about a name. You yeah. know, it's like, you, you need to go out, find out if you have a market and there's a lot of different things you can do, you know? And I, I actually kind of, I didn't feel bad in the advice I gave her, but after the, the interaction I had with her, I thought, man, I, I just kind of shot down all her hopes and dreams because she realizes she actually has to go out and, and do some stuff now. And, you know, I'm not sure that she's, she's willing to do that. Yeah. I think that's a great example of one of those things where people just get caught up on stuff that, you know, they have this inability to really prioritize what's going to matter and what's most important. And, and the fascinating thing is, you know, the idea could be phenomenal itself and people assume that, that the strength of the idea will determine the success of the effort. Um, but it's it's ne- it's rarely that way. the The idea could be a terrible idea, but if somebody's got enough gumption and enough drive and enough intuition to go figure out figure it out, that's going to matter more than the strength of the idea alone. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 like I I always used to say everybody has a, a million dollar web idea or a multi million dollar app idea, but nobody wants to take the action to actually go out and do it. And I get it. I mean, you know, there, there, there's kind of two, two mindsets and, you know, it's like, like what I was saying earlier, I had an idea and I was just like, I'm going to go learn something. And, and my thought process in that was, you know, if I go learn this and it, and it doesn't work out, the business doesn't work out of it, that I still learn something, you know, I, I and, and that's actually what happened in that whole situation. I programmed that website, um, tried to start a business, tried to raise some money, um, had a good go with it for about two years, but it wasn't going to work out long term. But I became a, a great web programmer out of that. And so that kind of propelled me into a new career that, you know, and at the time I was in my 20s, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I certainly knew I, I wanted to run and operate my own business. But at the same time, you know, I, I needed practical skills in this world. <laughs> you yeah. know, a lot of young people, they, they, they don't realize the, the value of actually having a, a skill, a level of skill. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, would, I would encourage people out there, if you have an idea, take some action towards it, learn a new skill, do it. You know, if you don't have time to quit your job, then don't quit your job, but make the effort, take the extra time to do it. It's like working out, you know, you got to, you got to take some uh, some time and some effort and put some energy towards it. Yeah, I like that. I'm I'm picturing in my mind this equation that is like, uh, you know, strength of the idea times you know willpower or gumption or something. You know, you could go with grit or you know one of those kind of kitschy terms that's out there right now. But you know, it's definitely not just the strength of the idea. It's the whole element of being willing to push forward and solve problems and adjust and work your way forward, you know, kind of no matter what the direction is. And that's another really interesting thing that would be interesting to explore is, 
um, this ability to shift directions. So you had this intent in mind of you know developing this website. Uh, it doesn't quite play out the way that you anticipate it to. But along the way, you've learned all of these skills. So what did that shift look like when you realized that you weren't going to be necessarily, you know, uh, building a, a retirement off of this website <laughs> idea, but you had these skills that you developed? What did that shift look like for you? Well, I mean, it was an interesting time in my life, you know, from from a personal perspective, I had, uh, you know, I was, it was about a, a little previous to when I was going to go through a divorce, but it was right around the same time. So I had a lot of life shifting going on all at the same time from a professional level as well as a personal level. And for me, I think it's it's one of the things that actually held me back is that I decided at that point in time that I needed to take more of the whatever, the straight and narrow path of of getting a job and, you know, being a corporate guy at that point in time. And, and it, it, it wasn't a good character fit for me. You know what I mean? I, here, my, here I am, this guy, I want to start a business. I want to operate a business. I am. And I have, you know, the business isn't working out. And so I kind of huddle back and, and go for the safe thing. And it really, it, it, it set me back in the long term to, to go and to do that. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's kind of where I was at the time. Well, I think it's it's just reality. So there's no, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just uh, what the situation looked like. And I think it, it there's this element of kind of humanity where you have when you have a lot of things swirling around, uh, we want to find um, stability in something. And sometimes the professional career is kind of the easiest route to find stability in. Out, you know, relationships aren't always easy to find stability in, but. If you go get an eight to five, you kind of know that there's going to be some routine and some stability there. And maybe it frees you up, gives you some bandwidth to deal, deal with the instability and uncertainty that's outside of that. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that that's the, I was, I was at dinner with uh, two of my friends the other night and one of them, he's been, he's a, he's a tile guy. He, he lays tile and he's been running his own business for 25 years. And now he's working at the city of San Francisco and he goes, he said, I, I got a day off yesterday and I actually got paid for it. He said, I haven't had a day off and gotten paid in 25 years because he's, you know, he's a small business owner. He's an entrepreneur. He's out there, you know, so, yeah. um, so it does, it, like you said, it does take grit. It takes determination. It takes um, staring at the face of, of failure, like almost on a regular basis and continuing to move forward. Nice. Yeah. Well, so although we started with the the drive that you had around a website, your interest and your kind of stimulus for being interested in small business started a lot earlier than that, right? Yeah. I mean, as far back as I can really remember, um, the most probably thing that stands out now is when I was in high school, I had a job at the country club. I would, uh, at the golf course, I would pick up golf balls and park the members golf court carts and wash their clubs. And I was just always intrigued by the the guys that were there and like they would show up at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning on a, on a Wednesday and they'd all play golf. It was men's day. That's like traditionally men's day. Right. And it wasn't a bunch of old retired guys. It was guys that were like my parents age or maybe even younger. And I was just intrigued by what these guys did. Like one guy, he owned, he owned like six or seven shell gas stations. And the guy was, he had the biggest house in the neighborhood and he was driving in a Mercedes and 
he was he was just a great guy. And there was, you know, there was a laundry list of guys that were like this, and they all had their own business. And so that, you know, that really piqued my interest at that point in time. I was like, wow, these guys are they're, they're playing golf on Wednesday and they're making a lot of money. This is this is where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. It just, uh, you know, it's not a, a great parallel, but it just kind of reminds me of the rich dad, poor dad scenario where a lot of people's um, first experiences with entrepreneurship or small business were through the insights, you know, by interacting with people outside of kind of their really close family network. And so being able to have those experiences and see how other people approach life and, and work and finances and businesses can be a really tremendous asset. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of different ways to get there. You know, it doesn't always have to be entrepreneur, but I mean, geez, I mean, just to see successful people, I don't know why, but some, I don't associate with people like this, but a lot of times you see people and they they kind of look at people in a, in a negative way, like, oh, they do this or they do that. And I, I don't know, man, whenever I drive through like a neighborhood with like the biggest houses and, you know, the estates, my first thought is like, I wonder what these people do for work. I wonder how they got to be here. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm intrigued. For sure. You know, my brother and I, this is an interesting conversation and, and my brother and I have talked about this a lot. We grew up, um, in our young years, our family was pretty poor. We, you know, lived out in the country in trailer houses, and uh, and that was kind of our upbringing. And and a lot of my family, my close family, um, are extremely hard workers, uh, but they're you know blue collar workers, and a lot of them still kind of struggle with with money and finances. And when my brother was first getting into his career, he's about five and a half years older than I am. When he was first getting into his career, he had somebody that he was talking to, and the guy said. Look as you, as you advance, your network changes, and you'll find that um, that you start to surround yourself with people that are in a similar position as yourself, um, and that won't stop. You know, as you continue to progress, you'll continue to do that. And I've always been sensitive to that idea about these networks and making sure that my network that I don't exclude people who could offer a really unique or different perspective um, in how to approach life and how to approach work and. And, but I have seen that my network has shifted over the last 10 years. You know, the type of people that I um, connected really well with and associated the most with 10 years ago is different than the type of people that I connect really well with and associate today. Um, you know, now there's some close associates that I stay in contact with and, and still relate with. And obviously family is always there. Uh, but it's been interesting how that network has shifted and the types of different insights that come out of different types of networks. Yeah. I mean, with, you know, and, and it, and it's, and it shifts within your life as well. You know, like when you're young, you're just kind of around the people who you're, it's interesting, actually, let me, let me back up when you're, when you're like a teen or whatever is when you actually first get to choose your own set of like friends. Hmm. Because before that, you're wherever your parents take you, you kind of hang around. Yeah. And then as you get older, you know, you start to get in your twenties, you realize like, wow, I actually, I don't even think that you realize that what I think that happens is like, if your mindset is such that you want to start a business or you want to go in a certain direction in your life and you're, you're making an effort to go towards that to a degree, you'll attract other people that are like that. And at the same time, when you start to talk to people that are, that are, you'll sense they're holding you back or, or not propelling you in a way you want to go, you'll, you'll disassociate with those people in a natural way. And so 
your network will evolve over time. You get to be my age. I'm 46 now, you know, and it, so I've been through cycles and cycles of, of different people. And I still have, you know, no people from way back in time, but I'm always adding new people. And the people that I'm adding always seem to be propelling me in the direction I'm going. And it's very nice. Yeah. Well, I think you said something really powerful in that, that segment around, um, who you attract. So as you, you know, go through life and you have new and different experiences, the type of people that you attract into your network, uh, shifts and changes. And that I think that to some level, there's a, a good kind of a personal assessment in that, in asking what are the kind of people that I'm attracting right now? And are they the kind of people that, um, are really going to push me forward and the kind of people that I think I should be attracting now, it's not meant to exclude, uh, people and, you know, kind of be this very exclusive network, but just the whole general idea of who am I attracting and what kind of people am I attracting? And is it the right kind of person, which could take us to this idea of, you know, how do you attract the right customers? I mean, if it applies on a personal level in terms of your network, it also applies on a business level into who you're attracting. Yeah. And so, so that, that kind of is, a little bit of the chicken and the egg, right? Because when you're starting out, um, like when I was starting out, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of skill. So the the kind of the people that I get, maybe it was myself, right? I looked at it and I thought, well, I don't have a lot of skill. I have to go over and after the smaller guys. And then once I've shown success with the smaller guys, that'll take me up another rung in the ladder and I'll kind of continue to climb. So, but I think that having looked back on that, it's a little flawed because now you're talking about when you're thinking like that, you're, you're looking at like a 10 year, you know, I'm going to go to the small level, a little higher, a little higher up into the next level. Right. So what I have found is that, you know, the, the, the customers that I work with and well, not even the customers, the clients that I attracted and I've worked with, they know people at a similar level to them. So, now, when I talk to them, I mean, one of the main ways that I'm getting new clients and new leads is through my existing clients and, and, and really forming a relationship with those people early on. So if I brought you on as a client and we started working together very early on, I would tell you, you know, Kyle, one of the, the ways that I get new customers and clients is through, through referrals. And I know the kind of guy you are. And I know you associate with similar people and similar businesses. So if there's any of them that would want this service and this level of service, um, I would appreciate it if you would, you know, reach out to them and let them know that I'm available to help them. And I, I think that's more effective um, going forward than trying to, I don't know, get people just randomly, you know, through ads or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think it, I think there's a broader kind of element to this. And it's something we talked about before we jumped on, which is this difference between just operating the business versus strategizing and having some long-term things that you're really working toward. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'll give you a personal example of that. So as a developer, there's, there's really two aspects to everything I do. And that's one is, is selling and then the other is delivering. And this is probably true of really any business. Um, however, in development, it's about really what I do. It's probably 85 to 90% of what I do is delivery. It's actually 
programming some programming a mobile app, coding a mobile app, and delivering it. And then once it's delivered, then we got to go sell another one. So it becomes this really tough cycle of, you know, how am I going to have any time to reach out and find new people to work with when I have to spend more than 100% of my time delivering this product? And so that, that becomes the challenge. And, you know, people out there listening, they probably have a similar problem in their business. And so it gets to kind of what we were saying earlier about this strategy. It's like, well, how do I develop a strategy of attracting new clients so that they're coming in while I'm doing this work, right? Yeah. Well, so what uh, what have you learned in that process? What have you learned that's a good uh, a good practical tip for somebody that's trying to solve that dilemma? So good practical tips that I've been using. One is what I was saying earlier is, is definitely uh, asking your clients for referrals, having a referral system in place of, of attracting new clients new referrals through, because those are easier to close. Um, the other one that's been working well for me for the last year and a half, almost two years is advertising on social and not just, not, not even really advertising on social, the podcast, the Facebook lives, just telling people what I'm doing, the personal branding. Um, I'll do a Facebook live every Tuesday. I'll do a podcast every Wednesday. And then what I end up doing with those is I record them and I put them on my LinkedIn, I put them on YouTube, and then I drive a little bit of traffic to them through paid app, but not much. Most of it's just out there. And what I found is particularly early was nobody that followed me on Facebook, none of my friends um, or people I knew on LinkedIn really knew what I did, you know? Yeah. And, it, and, I, and I mean, I would say that for 90, look at, look at your friends. If you just went through a list of all your friends out there. And, and I just asked you a simple question. What do they do for work? You probably wouldn't be able to know, you yeah. know? And so, and so here's the thing I, and, and it really hit home is I needed a painter and I hired a painter. And after my house got painted, my buddy came over to my house and he goes, Oh, who painted your house? And I said, Oh, such and such. And he goes, you know, I'm a painter. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, and the minute he asked the question, I knew he was a painter. I go, yeah, but you know, when it came time to looking for a painter, I didn't think of you. And the reason I didn't think of you is because, well, I haven't talked to you in three years. You know what I mean? So I, it's it's like just eminence and getting out there and, and having people know what you do. It makes a big difference. Uh, it's such a big difference. And it's interesting, this, story, this example. I thought that was a great example of that. And I can think of personal times when that's happened with me as well. Uh, and what's interesting is I work, so one of my companies is in the social sector, um, which tends to steer away from kind of self-promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a challenge in that, that I constantly talk to my team about, which, and there's an, I guess the challenge is that there's an assumption there. The assumption is if we do good work, people will find out about it. And I keep telling them there's no guarantee that just because our work is really, really good that people will find out about it unless we're telling the story. And so there is this element of just constantly telling people what it is that you're doing, because to your point, you never know when or where that next lead or that next opportunity is going to come from. And if you're not constantly in front of people as an option, they won't think of you when the time comes to make that decision. So to, you know, to your buddy's perspective, you know, his name didn't come top of mind because he wasn't in front of you as an option. And so even in the social sector where we do, you know, we focus more on nonprofits and foundations and kind of the quality of the work that we're doing, 
we can't just assume people are going to know about it because it's great work. We have to be telling that story. For sure. And I, you know, and that's, that's kind of the power of, you know, the internet and the social networks and things like that is that, you know, it's, you can tell a story and you can narrate the story however you want it to be. And, and, and there's the, the, the avenues are out there, you know, for like what you're doing. Hey, we don't want to be on social, you know, banging our drum. Well, I don't know, you know, like you might not want to be on Facebook banging your drum, but it might benefit you. And when I say you, I mean the listeners that it might benefit them to, to put some information on LinkedIn, whether it's a blog post or a, you know, what, whatever it might be. If, even if you're writing an article, I know you do some, some, uh, writing and, and contributing to other networks. Um, so just getting your, your kind of your name out there, even if it's just emailing, like you think like, Oh, nobody looks at an email. I get it. I just got an email from a realtor. Um, but again, if I'm going to sell my house, I might call this realtor now. Cause I just get an email like every week. Right. You know? It's, it's simple. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you do a lot of work with apps and I, I'm curious to see how you feel like that work helps with this balance of just operating versus strategizing. Yeah. So, so I'll give you a perfect example of this. So this guy came to me um, through a friend and he had an idea for a mobile app and I'll spare you the details, but basically what it was going to be was that it was going to have, um, we were going to get 10 million users and Facebook was going to buy us was, was what the idea was. Okay. okay. To make money. Okay. So I started talking and this guy has a lot of money. He's got a, and so I, while I was talking to him and it gets back to what I was saying earlier, I'm very intrigued in what people do for work and how they've achieved success. Here's a guy that's willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars on an app. So I said, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I have a, a staffing company. He staffs 1200 travel nurses across the country. And so I started talking to him and I said, well, this idea you have, it's not a very good idea, first of all. And then, so I started talking to him about his business and I said, what's one of the business problems you actually have? He says, well, it takes us 10 people to run our payroll every week. We have to do payroll every week. It takes us 10 people to do the payroll. And I'm maxed out. I can get to 1200 nurses, but I can't get to 2000 because, well, no, he said I could, but I'd have to, you know, increase my staff to 20 people to run this payroll. Right. Well, it turns out people were entering, they're, they're sending their time cards by email. And then somebody in the office is taking that email and entering it into QuickBooks and Salesforce. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm talking to him, I'm like, wait a second, we could make a simple time card application for your business, put that in there. And, you know, how many, how many employees could you get rid of if, if that was the case? Or how could you reassign those employees to another area of the business? And it was just like, and this is the kind of thing that happens all the time. People are running a business. They realize they have a problem, but they could just throw more money at the, you know, he could have just thrown more money at the problem, hired some more people and got some more employees in there, but it doesn't fix his problem. You know, his long-term problem is ultimately that he's got an antiquated system for entering time, keeping time, paying people out. And his focus when he hears about a mobile app, and this is happens to a lot of people, they go, oh, mobile app. And they think, you know, the next $10 million idea and I'm going to get venture funding and all this stuff. And nobody stops and looks and thinks, how can my employees benefit from this? How can my business benefit from this? And so that's, that's kind of the power of it. And that's what I see with it now. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get 
into people's heads. It's like this whole this whole mobile app game has changed from Instagram, um, Uber, Airbnb to actually building apps that solve a business problem and help a business grow. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that's a great example of just operating where so much time and energy is invested in such a basic task, right? A task that doesn't directly produce value. It's simply a foundational task that has to be done. And yet to your point, you know, he's got 11 staff members or 10, you know, working on that specific task that's not producing direct value for the client or for their business. And, uh, and I think that that's where people get caught up is they just don't revisit those kind of operating procedures, those ways of doing things to see how can we do this better? How can we do it more effectively, more efficiently in ways that are producing greater value? And so that's a great example of being able to find a way to do that through apps um, to actually produce greater value and give them the room to move forward in, in more effective ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure you see this all the time in your business, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm facing it right now in mine, you know, how, how do I take the time to look at it from a long-term perspective and put strategies in place to grow and expand versus just, you know, what's the, 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 what's the highest priority thing right now here today, this week, this month, you know, and it's, it's a challenge. It is. It definitely is a challenge. Um, but it, uh, gosh, it is so prevalent within businesses to get caught up in that fighting fires, you know, trying to solve today's problem without thinking about or looking at the longer, broader strategy and intent. And, you know, there's research that shows that teams spend less than one hour a month talking and thinking about strategy. And so that means that 99% of their time, you know, is committed to those just day-to-day tasks and operations, and they're not making those connections to long-term goals and purposes and strategies. Yeah, it's so true. Awesome. Well, so what what comes next for you, Jeremy? Well, I think for me right now, it's there. There's kind of a number of things going on. It's you know obviously helping small businesses. I've been working on a program. Um, for about the past 10 months where I actually took, took all the, I I actually, and this, you'll, you'll like this from a strategy perspective. I've looked at all the apps and websites that I've built over time and really it's, it's focused around apps, but broke down all the processes that I have, um, you know, where I start with a client, where I first engage with a client all the way through a successful launch and marketing and, and remarketing of the app and, you know, continuing it to go forward. And so what I've done is I, is it took some time to actually look at my business and look at all the, you know, put all the apps on one side that worked and all the ones that didn't and really break down the process and of, of where we start, how we work with people. Cause this has all been in my head forever. Sure. Right? Sure. And actually put pen to paper and put it in and, and built a program that's 11 modules long and so if you, if you have a, a business really of any size or you have an idea for an app, any type of app, but it's mainly focused on businesses is how to, you know, increase your leads, how to reduce your costs, how to reduce your manpower. And then once you've come up with an idea around one of those, how to actually implement, develop and, and put it into place. So that's, that's one of the things that I do. I'm obviously still working with clients and putting those best practices into place 
with all the you know different size businesses that I work with. And then on top of that, the the little cherry on top is um, I come up with some ideas. So I'm doing some personal pet projects as well. Um, some some what we'll call multiple sources of income is what they'll ultimately be. Awesome. Well, so what's what's the title of the course? The eleven module course. Yeah, that's called uh, Minting Money with Apps. Minting Money with Apps. And uh, I mean, I have examples. Uh, I've expanded on everything that, that you could possibly think and want to do um, related to, to developing an app. Well, in that space, what's one of the most exciting or fun apps that, that you can share that you've worked on? Um, well, I'll just give you another app. Um, Kind of, a, kind of in the same realm. Um, this guy, you know, he's a he was in the WWE. He was a professional wrestler. He wasn't in there for very long, but he was in there, and he had a web program that um, he sells basically an online workout program if you want to get huge and ripped and all that. And he was crushing it on the web, but he never was on. You know, he he realizes, hey, when all these guys are in the gym and they're following my program, they're actually on their mobile app or on their mobile phone. So basically converted all his programs into a mobile app. And, and the reason I love this one is because, you know, here's a guy, he's doing really well on the web, but he realizes that, you know, when he opens up his traffic logs and Google Analytics, he realizes that 70% of his traffic is coming from mobile devices. And for anybody out there listening, look at your traffic logs, um, your Google Analytics, and, and just, you'll see 70% of it's mobile. So you got to make a shift to mobile. And, and so that's what we did with him. It helped him actually convert his programs to mobile and convert his business to mobile, really. So these are some of the, the things I get excited about. Um, and I'm kind of a geek in that way as far as like, how can I help your business go mobile? <laughs> but uh, that, that's what I do. You know, I mean, like if, if all your traffic's coming from mobile and you're not there, well, heck, you're, you're just dying. And he knew it and he saw it. I didn't have to convince him of it. He, he saw it. And so, um, that's that's the kind of thing that I love to do. That's awesome. I love it. Well, what uh, just as we wrap up, what kind of what last piece of wisdom or advice would you offer listeners broadly? You can take it anywhere you want. I'll take it anywhere I want. Well, I kind of kind of wrap, wrapped it up there, but um, I would just say that you know, for people listening in in the business realm, is that you gotta. You always have to step back, step outside of the the kind of the um, what's the term I'm looking the whirlwind or whatever the day to day, and figure out what your business is really doing, where your business is going, what you want to do with your business, how you want to survive, how you can replace yourself or your business, um, so that you can grow. Because if you're just so focused in the weeds and the day to day, you can, it's really hard to step out and look. So look for. Um, any kind of resources that are out there that can help you. Um, or if you have a team, get your team, get them in a retreat, get them out of the building if you have to, or just do a, a weekly or a, a biweekly meeting of like, where are we going? How are we strategizing? Are there new markets? Are there new ideas? How can we expand? And obviously I'm the mobile app guy. If you have an idea for a mobile app or what or you, you have a need for a mobile app, then fine, do that. But there's, it, it doesn't even have to be mobile. There's, there's just ways you have to, you know, look at your business from 30,000 feet to see what it is and where it's going. That's perfect. So Jeremy, thank you for, uh, for joining us. Um, and for those listening, the, the point that Jeremy just made, 
that is not something that happens once a year. That's not something that you just sporadically take that time to take the 30,000 foot view of your organization, your business, your company. Um, that is something that should be happening on a regular basis. So literally put it into your calendar so that you have time blocked out to think about your business from the high level and get out of the weeds, out of the day to day and really strategize for where you're headed. Jeremy, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the Art of Strategic Reaction. Absolutely, Kyle. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So if people want to follow up or they want to see more of your stuff, where should they go? Uh, well, they can go to my uh, my website, which is jeremycallahan.com. And if you're interested in the, uh, in the program about how to develop apps and turn your ideas into an app, it's mintingmoney.app. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, and we'll put those, uh, those links in the, the, uh, the podcast description. So you'll be able to access them there as well. Thanks again, Jeremy. And thanks folks for listening. Catch us on the next episode of the art of strategic reaction. This is Kyle Brost, and we will talk to you next time.